again, what I promised was is it was going to be short, sweet, and with food. So uh, that's what we've got in mind. The one thing that I didn't have in mind, I actually, I didn't know, I didn't know what was supposed to happen today. The one thing that I knew was the more I prayed about it, the more it became clear to me that it was Eric and Tamara Lee, that it was the both of them. And honestly, what I felt like was is that I wanted kind of a mom and dad to come in and to talk to us, to do that. This is a family room. This is a living room. You know what I mean? And I just wanted it to be one of those moments where mom and dad kind of came in and said some things. Now, as they developed the sermon that they did, and this has been happening now for a number of years, and I'm loving that this is not happening through me this year, but as it has been happening for a number of years now, at the very beginning of the year, the Lord will give us a very strong word, something that we will literally build off of for the rest of the year, if not beyond that. And this, like I say, this has been going on year after year after year, and just as in what is happening in this body, where ever more so is the Lord doing what he wants through us all, and not just through people like me, that this is what's happened here. When I heard this sermon, it wasn't even until I heard it, and then I was thinking about it, and then I heard it again yesterday morning as, as we went through a final run-through. And when they went through the final run-through, it wasn't even, I didn't even hear it the first time through the run-through. But by the time we got through with the run-through and we were talking, all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, look at what, you, look at what you're doing here. And like I say, I think he's setting out, he's speaking a word to us about what he's going to be doing this next year and beyond. So with that in mind, I think that this has become kind of an important service. When I'm going to encourage those who weren't here to be sure and watch, because like I say, I think it's going to set a tone for what he's doing. So with no more further ado, with love, Eric and Tamara. Wow, but yeah, this is kind of strange being in the middle of everything. <laughs> okay, I'll just you know spin around and this will be fun. I'm gonna sit. Yeah, until you can you're do done. that. Okay. We are preaching together, but we're kind of taking turns. So. So happy 17, 2017. Um, there's this. There's this meme that's been going around on Facebook and the internet that 2016 was kind of a tough year, right? And uh, I think not everyone feels that way, but certainly a lot of us do. Um, that we're kind of glad to have 2016 in the rearview mirror. Thank goodness it's over with and we're on to a brand new fresh year. You know, we lost a lot of our cultural icons this year, right? Um, everyone's been following that. There's, you know, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds in two days. That's just ridiculous. Um, more seriously, there were a lot of uh, terrorist attacks and mass shootings and other tragedies all throughout the world. And it's all over the news, and it's almost impossible to get away from it, even though, I mean, you want to. It just makes you sick. And you're like, I don't want to hear any more about this. But it's just always there. I was out uh, on my Pacific Crest Trail section hike in June, out in the middle of the wilderness, and right in the middle of that, I heard about the Pulse nightclub shooting, 49 people dead in Florida. I couldn't escape it, even in the mountains. It's everywhere. And that makes it really hard, 
some of us had very difficult things happen to us personally this year. Some of us lost family members, uh, which is always incredibly difficult, one of the most difficult things you'll ever have to face in your life. Others of us had serious illnesses, uh, serious accidents, things that really set us back. So yeah, 2016 was not very much fun. And then of course we had politics, can't finish a, uh, a review of 2016 without talking about the campaign and the election, which was brutal, I think, for most people. Uh, regardless of your political perspective, I think everyone can agree that there was not a lot to be proud of in this campaign, right? You know, does anyone want to repeat it? Like, woo, yeah, who's up for round two? No? All right. So, it was really hard. Do you remember, almost two years ago now, uh, Kurt gave us a word, a prophetic word that he felt was strongly for, from the Lord for us. And that was, he felt that God was saying, God is going to lift his hand of protection to some degree from our nation so that we would feel the consequences of our actions more so than in the past. And that by feeling the consequences of our actions, it would eventually draw us back to him. And I think that was, uh, I believe from my conversations with Kurt, that that was not a word for just a couple months in time. This was a long-term thing. So I think we can safely say that 2016 was part of that. It's part of what God is doing with our nation. And it's not very much fun. God is shaking things to get our attention and to break us out of the, the, the rut, the tunnel that we uh, were in. Okay, but God is not just shaking our country. He's shaking us, Lake Sam, this church. Okay, and this is where I want to I want to take a, a, a moment to to make an aside comment. Um, when Kurt asked Tamara and I to preach this morning, I think he was imagining something very light and fluffy, kind of you know inspirational, and because he said mom and dad talk, and I think he was thinking of you know kind of like a fireside chat homily, and then we started uh, asking God, what do you want us to say? And then a little while later, we were like, oh, <laughs> no, we don't really want to say that. Um, but I think he has a word for us. I think he wants to remind us that he is doing this thing in our nation, but more importantly, he wants to talk about what he's doing in our church. Okay, so I mentioned the election a little while ago, and it was hard for our nation. It was ugly and messy and not very proud, but I think the election and the aftermath of the election has been very hard on our church family as well. I think a lot of us are feeling like our nerves and our tempers are frayed. We're feeling like we have passionately held beliefs and now we've discovered, oh, other people that we thought were close friends have opposing beliefs. 
And that's really hard to deal with. Um, we can get pretty passionate about our disagreements. And in fact, it can turn from passion to anger and fear. And we start pointing fingers at each other. Uh, so, so some of us are like on one side of the, uh, or on the other side. And then there's also a bunch of us that are like, you know what, I don't really care about politics. I'm just sick of everyone else talking about politics. Just shut up, shut up, shut up, right? So I think for most people in this room, you feel that sense of tension, regardless of whether you're like in the fight or whether you're just wishing everyone else would quit fighting. It's not a very fun time for our church body right now. It's hard to look certain people in the eye. Okay, this is the test. If you're thinking, ah, oh, this really isn't affecting me, but when you come in here this morning, are there people that who, when you see them, you go, oh, I, you know, I saw what they posted on Facebook, and I just I have a really hard time going up to them and looking them in the eye and say, hi, how are you? I love you. I'm glad that you're here. I want to give you a hug. If you're having troubles like that with anyone in this room, then this message is for you. It's for me because I definitely am in that place. So five months ago, in August, we had a great conversation in Lake Sam about family and our identity. And I did uh, two sermons uh, talking about who we are. And we, the first one, we just talked about, hey, we have a story, we have an identity, what is it? And then we had an open mic time and we collected a lot of comments. And then the second week, uh, we went over those comments and I distilled it down into nine um, uh, character traits. And I think those traits were really strong. I mean, they, were, they, were, uh, they really described who we are. But we have a problem because we are a great family and we described who we were as a family. But right now, God has fractured things. Okay, God has applied pressure to us. And there were some invisible cracks in our relationships. Things that, uh, where we didn't quite line up, we didn't quite mesh, we didn't quite have the glue that we thought we did. And right now, God is fracturing us. He's putting us under pressure so that those cracks split open and they are visible. And that is uncomfortable. In fact, it's really, really hard. God is testing us. Okay? I can't put it any more strongly than that. God is testing us. And sometimes churches don't survive that kind of testing. Will we survive? Will we survive? There is pressure, and that pressure can either push us together and bond us like a diamond and make us harder and stronger and more beautiful than before, or that pressure can break us apart and turn us into sand. Okay, so this is not a very cheerful thought for New Year's Day, <laughs> right? I'm supposed to say, oh, 2017, New Year, full of opportunity and hope. Where is the hope? Jesus. It is, that's right. The hope is in Jesus. Um, Serenity came in this morning, wherever she is. There. 
And she said exactly the line that I have here in my notes. She said, today is just like yesterday. Life doesn't change just because we pin a new calendar to the wall. And I said, yes, that's exactly right. All of the problems that we had before, they're still here. They don't go away just because it is January 1st. So I'm not really in a good place right now for all of the reasons that I've just described, nationally, locally, personally. And I said to Tamara, I don't know how to keep doing this. Where is the hope? How can I go into a new year, which is likely going to be just as hard as the last year, and how do I keep doing this? And God brought a phrase to my mind, a phrase from Scripture, and it says, and hope does not disappoint. And I heard that echoing in my head, and I said, okay, hope does not disappoint. Then why do I feel so darn disappointed right now? So I went to find where that actually is in Scripture, and I found it in Romans 3, or Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, and I want to read it to you. It says, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, which we have right now. For we know that they help us in develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Um, <clears throat> you know, Lake Sam is in the middle of a problem right now. And it's God's intention that um, this trial will help us develop endurance. And it's, intention, it's his intention that our endurance will help us develop character, and that character will develop hope and strengthen our hope. God is asking us, will you be a family? Will you be patient with each other? Will you love each other? Will you hold on to the principles that you said you believed in? Okay, I mentioned a few minutes ago that we tied this talk in August about our family and our identity. I want to quickly read those nine traits that didn't come from me. They came from all of you, right? You remember that? We kind of wrote them together. So let me just read them, and let's remember who we are. We embrace new people in the hurting, and we draw them into our community. Number two, we spend time with each other, and we build relationships during the week. We encourage each other to grow in God and become more like Jesus. We help those who need help, and we meet real practical needs. We ask for and accept help when we need it. We take risks on people, and we gently coach them through their mistakes. And then I want you to really listen to these last three, because they're important for this morning. We assume that others have good intentions. We forgive wrongs that are done to us and we don't easily quit or leave when things get hard. That's who we are. So how do we be a family in hard times? Well, we remember who we are. Romans says that we have endurance which builds character. This is the character that is being built. We hold on to our character and we find hope in God's love for us and in our love for each other. Some of you may know, and others may not, that I actually run the youth group um, here. It's called Overflow. 
And we've been working with a lot of these issues downstairs with a group of teenagers. <laughs> and I thought I'd share with you guys some of the stories of what's been happening downstairs and what we've experienced together and how God's been making us a family. Um, last spring, you'd go downstairs, and there are basically two youth groups down there, right? <laughs> and we danced around it for a while, and there, there were a lot of reasons for it. Some of it was because we had public school kids and homeschool kids. Those are different cultures. <laughs> Some of it is because we had kids who loved pop culture, and they were all over it, and others were like, pop what? Huh? <laughs> and they didn't know the difference. Um, others were because family styles were different, and, and it looked different. But the other issue that we danced around a lot was the fact we were also looking at a race divide, and we had a race issue. And can I say that's a hot topic I did not want to touch? <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's look at all these other issues. And God's like, yeah, no. We're going to look at this issue. Like, oh, this can go so wrong on so many levels. Who am I, white woman, suburban middle class, to talk race? Yeah, I didn't have to. Because God had started to work in the hearts of some of our kids. And he started planting their stories in their hearts, and they'd been living in these stories. And there was a night where it was time for them to share. And they took their fears, and they took their vulnerabilities, and they said, let me tell you my story. And one of our juniors, one of our black girls, said, look, you guys need to understand that every morning I have to stop being black and start being white so I don't get into trouble. I change who I think, how I think, I change how I talk so I fit in with the dominant culture. That's my story. You could have heard it pin drop in that room as all the kids went, oh. And then she went on and she said, but here, here at Overflow, these are my homies. I'm myself. I don't have to be someone else, so can you let me be me here? Because I can be here in this room. I went, oh, wow. And then on the other side of the room, because of course all the black kids were sitting on one side and all the white kids were sitting on the other side, right? A white sophomore said, all right, I hear you, but I'm homeschooled. I don't know popular culture. I don't even want to know popular culture. And that gets me in trouble with my peers. <laughs> that means I can't be me with my peers. <laughs> and I don't know how to be friends with you. And again, the room listened. And then they started talking. And it opened up quite the conversation that night. And I just sat back. <laughs> and I listened to these kids share things and explain their world and say, we don't want to stay this way. Will you help us learn where we can cross some lines in ways 
we haven't been able to cross before. And they tried, and it was messy, and we blew it. <laughs> and yet, we had a mission trip. And we watched this line look very different. We watched the kids go, all right, we're going to try it and become a tighter community. Perfect? No. Messy? Yes. Changed? You'd better believe it. So we fast forward on to this year, and it was a certain Wednesday night after a certain Tuesday night in November, and they were all here, and it was all talk about the election and the shock. They were all in shock. So we went downstairs, and I went, we, we got to pray. We just need to take this community we've built, stay vulnerable, and say, oh, God, where are you? So I asked one of our seniors to pray. And he started praying, and I went, uh-oh. <laughs> he's mentioning candidates by name. <laughs> he's, he's praying against candidates. <laughs> He's, he's voicing his fears very loudly. This is not going to go well. I'm going to get phone calls from parents. I'm going to, and God said, would you stop? Because if this kid can't be real and can't share his fears down here in his church and in his youth group, where can he do it? Okay. Oh, dear God. And later on that night, after we'd prayed and, you know, did our other things, I look up, and there was a middle school girl sitting against the wall in tears. I went, uh-oh. And there was the senior talking to her. Like, I think I need to go over here and find out what's going on. And what I heard said was, oh, no. Just because you voted for someone different than me doesn't make me think you love Jesus any less. I still love you. You're still a part of this group. You're still important to me. And I, I watched this senior <laughs> feeling about three inches tall because he'd made a little girl, a middle school girl cry. And he was trying to fix it. And he was willing to lay down his fears his unknowns to meet someone who was just is unsure about world and the world is as he was and he says no you're important to me you're part of my family and that is what family is laying down our fears being vulnerable with our fears and engaging each other right where we're at. And as I talked to each one of these kids to see if I could share their stories, right? They're like, oh, well, that's not how I saw it. <laughs> because, you know, what female wants to be caught crying? And then not be able to say really why they were crying, because it actually wasn't about the election at all. It was something else. <laughs> but, you know, none of us like that feeling of vulnerability. Hate it but because I was standing a little on the outside, I could see God's through line. 
I could see that he was taking us from a place of this is how it should be to let me into your world and I'm going to lay down my rights. And that's what family is. In Romans 14, Paul writes to a group of people who had strong disagreements about right and wrong. Um, I'm not going to go through that whole chapter because we could spend like three different sermons talking about it. But if you remember, there was questions about, is this right to do or is that thing wrong? And the topics that they were covering then were not the same as the topics we're covering now, but I think the spirit of it was very much the same, right? And I think Romans 14 is worth reading because there's a lot of very practical advice in there. I'd recommend that you do it. But what I want to focus on is what Paul then kind of finished up with in the first part of of, uh, chapter 15. And I want you to just listen to what he wrote. He said, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ did not live to please himself. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement. May he help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ. And then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. And I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we find this hope? We don't do it by pretending everything's okay. We don't do it by sweeping it under the rug and just going on in life. It doesn't work. We have to be honest and vulnerable about our fears. And then we have to lay down our own fears to help someone else when they're being honest and vulnerable about theirs. We need to help each other see the story that God is writing in our lives because we often can't see it ourselves. We need someone else to point it out for us. And that story isn't necessarily what we want it to be. (laughs) It's the story God's choosing to write. And others sometimes can see with fresh eyes how God is redeeming all of our little broken bits that we're trying to hide. You're made in God's image. You're a fallible human being. I'm made in God's image. And I'm a very fallible human being. But we can't give up on each other. 
We've been shattered. Kurt talked about that. But it's in that shattering, in that disassembling, that God can take our broken bits out of the equation and then bring us to a place where we're one with God and one with one another in a way we could never have been in our perceived wholeness. And here, now, in this moment, at the beginning of 2017, in that shattering is our hope. It's God's promise that he wants to show us more than what we perceived we had before. If we're willing to go there with him. He's not asking us to go anywhere he hasn't already gone. Jesus was shattered on the cross. And that shattering was the birth of our hope. And it culminated in a resurrection. Our shattering is a promise of hope so God can create something more out of us. A oneness we didn't know before. And guys, that, that is a hope that does not disappoint. I'm going to do communion now. Um, Will, I know you've unplugged everything, but maybe you could give us a little music if you're still here. Um, I want to try to do communion a little differently this morning, and I don't know, this might be a little tricky, but I think we can do it. So under some of the chairs, there are trays. Uh, they have covers on them. You can pull the cover off. I'm going to pass those trays around, and we're going to try to serve each other communion this morning. And the way this is going to work is uh, I want you to pass the tray, uh, kind of working you know, the way, your way backwards. Uh, we don't have ushers to... to handle it, so I'm sure you can do it yourselves. But I want you to hold the cup that you take out of the tray, and if you want to be alone with your thoughts, that's fine. You can take communion yourself between you and God, but if something this morning has touched you, this thought about family, this thought about being connected with each other, even in hard times, um, I'd like you to serve communion to someone else, someone sitting close to you or someone that God brings to your mind. And I want you to just very shortly, very quickly, look them in the eye and say, this is Christ's body that was broken for you. And then this is Christ's blood that was shed for you. And we're just going to take a few minutes to just have people do whatever God leads them to do. Um, I'm not going to lead it any more than this. But uh, after a few minutes, then we'll have the closing prayer. Um,
And if anyone needs gluten-free, uh, you'll have to get up and find it over here at this little table.